As always, subscribe and click the notification bell on our YouTube channel. Be active on our Facebook group, East Coast Distressed Note Investing. And be sure to go to our website for all your note investing tools, resources, and available assets. If you have any questions, email us at tradedesk at jkpholdings.com. Hey, with Dave Putz from JKP Holdings. Good afternoon. Mr. Nathan Turner was inside next to me. How are you? Hello, hello. Very good, very good. Awesome. It's good to connect. Um, we had a great session last two weeks ago. Um, we talked about a lot of awesome stuff. I would definitely recommend anyone who missed it, take a look at the podcast, the YouTube channel, whatever. You can get a hold of that. Um, recently, you know, things have kind of started to change for me. Um, we're seeing some new product that are coming from different areas. Um, I know that recently we've got a pool of assets. We've talked to paper source with a gentleman about some seller finance stuff that's coming about, mm-hmm. um, which kind of lends to what we talked with Tracy about the seller finance world being something that's growing. It is. It's an interesting, an interesting time. And we'll, uh, we'll you know, one of the cool things about notes is um, it's very easy to pivot. Yeah. Uh, so if if seller financing notes are more available and, and that looks better, do that. Um, I'm also buying some reverse mortgages right now. Ooh. They're available, so I'm doing that. You know, and, and just you can pretty easily just kind of go back and forth and whatever is available, whatever works at the time. That's that's good. Yeah. Um, one thing about seller financing and, and notes in general is understanding numbers. I want to let everyone know that I'm going to run a. a spreadsheet training course for everyone just understand how to create a partial yield calculator um, i could post it to whoever wants it but it's gonna be a two three hour and you're gonna create your own spreadsheet to understand time value understand the formulas and get away from this brick and mortar financial calculator that some people find confusing where you can plug and play numbers on a spreadsheet right um for me i like the spreadsheet it's not as grand as the calculator but i think spreadsheets make a lot of things easier for newer investors to kind of grasp. Um, deal flow and deals, what's going on with you? We're, we bought a few partials recently. Uh, we've actually uh, looked at a few forming notes we purchased. And then there's two non-performing notes that we kind of back and forth on that okay. I may not go with. Yeah. Um, what's been with you? What's been going on with you? Uh, I've got these, uh, it's a few different reverse mortgages. Uh, another... Uh, just a kind of a regular first mortgage. And then I uh, sold a couple of, of uh, the loans that I've been holding on to uh, just because it's time and I'm, I'm selling off stuff and getting everything kind of going into the fund. And so we're awesome. winding down and building up at the same time. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, for those who are interested, uh, we had a comment. Just go to JKP Holdings slash spreadsheet dash calculator training. And we'll go through it. Um, and I'll be talking to Nathan afterwards. We have some really cool stuff that's going to be coming about for September. Um, so tune in for that kind of information. It'll be a training course. But with that said, um, seller financing notes, we both came from the institutional world. We did some lease options. But seller finance notes is the wild west that we thought we walked into when we bought into notes. You know, notes was like this wild west theory for a long time. And then we got to grasp at it. And then you walk into seller finance notes I feel like I'm back to the wild west on just different things. I like seller finance. That's the same thing. That's kind of where I got my start is um, 
at, very, at the very beginning, I was creating notes and that was, I was doing seller finance. And so that was uh, an interesting learning curve, figuring out how to write paper and how to make it a, a good piece of paper to be able to resell if I choose to in the, in the future. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of fun ways that people put them together and, and uh, they're a little bit goofy sometimes, but I mean, if people are paying, yes, sometimes that's all that matters. Yeah. So without further ado, we have gentlemen here that could be tuning in with us. If you don't know Jeff, um, get to know him. He's a wealth of information. Um, his experience is no other. Um, he's been doing notes for a long time, since the 80s, I know, right? And we ran into him at Paper Source. His knowledge is amazing, but he's a seller finance person, right? This is his bread and butter. Yeah. I, and I, I, I admire Jeff's uh, analytical skills to look at it and, and treat this like a real like a real business, like a real project and something that can be um, tweaked and, yeah. and you can look at different things and what works and what doesn't work. And I, I like that approach. I like, you know, kind of the systematic approach to it. I, that's good. So Jeff, welcome, my man. How are you? Yes, sir. Hello, guys. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> good. good. Well, let's start from the beginning. You know, we all start where we're at today. Some people that's overwhelming. Some people it's exciting. Where did you get started with real estate and how'd you get into notes? If you can keep it under four hours, it'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> that's the trick here. Um, well, let's see. Uh, long story short, uh, when I was 19, I purchased my first property, a triplex. I lived in one unit, rented out the other two, covered the mortgage. Um, I learned that and I purchased that property at 19. I decided when I was young, uh, about 15 and a half years old, I read the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, mm -hmm. Someone gave it to me and that's like the cornerstone of my success for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, in reading that book, I decided uh, about 16 years old that I would never be a renter I'd, I'd own. When I moved out, I was gonna own and buy something. Uh, so I bought my first property when I was 19, um, uh, a triplex, lived in one year, went out the other two. And then from there, I, uh, I purchased and lived in and fixed up and moved uh, several times. By the time I was 25, I had 25, uh, 27 doors. At 25 years old, I had 27 doors. Nice. And uh, I was taking care of them all myself. We're talking within, you know, a half hour, hour driving distance of my house. And um, being a landlord, I, I know it all. We can go <laughs> over stories with that another time. But, um, you know, uh, Landlording is, is not all it's cracked up to be, and neither is uh, rental cash flow. Um, you know, a lot of people tout, hey, I got a rental property. You know, the, the, the expenses are 1200 a month, and I, I'm getting 1500 a month, and that's $300 a month positive cash flow until something happens, right? Until the water heater breaks, and there goes four months, five months of cash flow, uh, or a bigger expense comes up. So I was always, uh, you know, people think, oh my God, 27 doors, you must've been rolling in it. No, I was barely making ends meet, keeping all the, the maintenance on all the properties, covering, you know, 18 different mortgages and, and, and doing what I had to do. And I, there had to be a better way. 
went to a boot camp seminar. You guys know these dog and pony shows, right? You, you go to one free, come learn how to be a millionaire. <laughs> and so I went to dozens and dozens of those. I tried everything. You know, I was an entrepreneur in a mindset and I still am. And, and I, uh, I went to this one and the guy said, be the bank, not the landlord. And I was like, I don't have to be a landlord. What? Uh, went back, back of the room within 20 minutes, signed up $7,500 five day boot camp, right? Yeah. Uh, called in sick for a week. I was working at Ralph's grocery store in Southern California um, since I was 15 and a half. And uh, at 25, I went to this boot camp and it changed the direction of my life. I was like, oh my God, this is for me. Now, if there were 200 plus other people in that class, after about six months, nobody was around anymore. They went off to the next shiny object. Mm. Um, but I, I knew in my heart of hearts that that this seller finance note business was for me at first brokering notes and then eventually to buy them and be the bank. Yeah. Um, and that's the short story of how I got into it. Wow. How's that? What year was this? This was 1991. Yeah. Started awesome. in uh, May of 91. So I just had my uh, 31 year anniversary last month. Oh. And I do nothing else. I don't invest in anything else. Uh, no stocks, no crypto, um, no, nothing else, just notes. It's all oh. about the cash flow. Sold off all the yeah. properties, carried back notes on some, got cash to buy notes with others, built up the portfolio. Life happens, got a divorce, lost everything, yeah. started over and uh, building building it back up it's been 11 years since the divorce but you know still got to build it back up to where it was um mm -hmm. and uh you know i know how to do it so it's uh it, it's been uh you know nothing happens overnight and, yeah. and to to grow businesses and to start these and i'm glad you mentioned too nathan that that it is a business uh, mm -hmm. we're not going after it like it's a business we're going after it as it's a business it mm -hmm. is a business and if you're just lollygagging around thinking that you're going to find a note by building a website it's not going to happen that way guys right. not these days yeah yeah it's interesting you said all that you know we do have some members and people who follow us are probably born after you got started right it's kind oh, of absolutely <laughs> I'm not as young as i look and we want to make sure people understand that where you are today and what we're going to get into is not anywhere close to where you began at right right it's years and years of work and hard work to get into where you're at today and the knowledge you have and experience you have. So can you, in the beginning, what were some of the hurdles you came across, the struggles that you had that they can probably relate to? Uh, well, the biggest hurdle is that you see the potential and everybody else making money with notes or supposedly making money with notes. Mm -hmm. And you want to be that guy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. next month in six months you know and it doesn't happen like that it is going back already to it's a business yeah. and most businesses fail seven out of ten businesses fail any business in the first year of their business mm -hmm. whether it's a restaurant a gym uh i don't know a beauty shop uh, a storefront uh you're starting an online business i mean most businesses fail in the first year and this yeah. is this is just like any other business, if you don't attack it and think of it as a business, you're not going to last long as a business. We're not talking about just buying a note here and there for as an investment in your IRA and stuff. We're talking about running it as a business. And I think a lot of people, when they get into the business, 
they think they're going to be successful in six months and in, in, in yeah. a year and they don't give it enough time to really ramp it up and build your business and grow your business. Um, and, and that's that's a, a huge hurdle I think people need to get out over is that uh, do I just want to dilly dally in this or am I, am I going to have a, an actual business and one day hopefully quit my job? Right. And um, nothing ever moves as fast as you'd like it to. Never. And you never, just got to understand never. that and yep. be okay with it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It takes time. And, and uh, um, you know, since 1991, are there things I do differently now than I did then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not as tech savvy as you guys, but, uh, you know, for instance, I didn't really start using Excel spreadsheets till about the divorce, 2011. So I have an email that I just saw recently that said exactly that, which I was yeah. like, whoa right yeah so that that was that that made me more efficient and and things like that but uh, sure. uh it's uh but i still use hey come on don't 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 diss the calculator man mm-hmm. right i can't pull a spreadsheet up <laughs> when uh when i'm out on the boat and someone asked me about a mortgage i can pull up the app on my phone right this is true this is true and i think the difference between the, you know the the calculator itself in um, the spreadsheet is that we get a tape of assets that comes in, right? Of 50 right. assets to run 50 assets on a calculator would take some time. Oh, um, you can use a yeah, formula I, and go right down the sheet and say, right. okay, here's my number. So yes. And there's certain things that spreadsheets actually struggle with, with the calculator. And I'll be going into that eventually. Um, they don't do points, right? It's not 34.38. It's mm-hmm. 34 payments. Um, it doesn't do, it rounds it off. And there's ways to, to avoid that, but it, for some people, that calculator gets overwhelming, right? And they what they do is they just avoid it instead of working with it and understanding well, it. Well, yeah, it. it's it's uh, people watching this in the future and stuff. HP 10B2 calculator. I yeah. teach it. It's it's the calculator to use. I have a whole calculator secrets book with 120 plus examples and practice things in it. It is so <laughs> simple. It's five buttons. That's it, guys. Don't be afraid of the calculator. I. I do usually one at a time from individuals, one note at a time. And, and you're right, when there's a lot more, when I get a tape in or something like that, you gotta use uh, the Excel spreadsheet. You, you're not running it through. Or another program called T-Value, I use a lot of. And um, uh, so, yeah, with the numbers, I mean, we could talk about numbers all day long, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you you hear all about this, you know, bank originating loans that we all pretty much came off of right this is what we did in 2010 and most of the people in the space did a lot of origination loans where you were in a different track right you did the seller finance world where getting inventory you're not getting a 500 tape asset list right you're putting in work to get asset list yeah yeah when did you guys start what year 2010 2010 yeah 10 okay so um yeah before the crash yeah there's not a lot of tapes around you guys right <laughs> they're, they're worked you know and, and and you're talking about you know we all deal with banks well we all don't i don't you know deal with banks. we do if they come across us and and yeah. you know if someone comes across us we we're happy to deal with banks but there's a difference if i could share my screen a second let me show you the difference between uh different types of notes is that okay yeah. one yeah. second yeah. uh open all right I'll hit the little button here. Tell me when. You should be good. Okay, boom. And then I'm going to pick, I made a few documents here. Yeah, perfect. 
so that you can we can see this. So, oh, wrong one. We're talking about notes. We'll get to that one in a minute. Here it is. Okay, there, there's three types of notes. Here they are. This is it. A conventional note, a bank, mortgage company gives someone a loan. It's a debt instrument created when a bank or mortgage company finances the sale of real estate, right? Most people understand that. You want to buy a property, you go get a loan from somewhere. That is a conventional note, okay? And then, then you have right a private now, mortgage note. It, maybe the person can't get a bank loan, can't, can't fit in that box, which is getting tighter and tighter these days, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's private mortgage notes. So an individual investor, maybe a real estate investor, but an individual investor uh, will fund the loan to purchase the house. So yeah. the person's taking money out of their pocket, 100% providing the loan for the person to buy the property. That's a private mortgage note. A debt instrument created when an individual, not a bank, finances the sale of real estate. Then we have what's called a purchase money mortgage. This oh, is a so debt instrument. Right now, we're, we're not seeing that screen, Jeff. We're just looking at the, we've got value-based investing versus speculation. That's the one oh, we see right now. Why? Um, what? I'm showing this one. This is my screen. Are you sharing a screen or I... Uh, yeah, it says it says I'm sharing my screen. Correct. You may be sharing a um, oh, a tab or window. How about I uh, stop and then I'll share again. Let's see if it works now. All I'm right. sorry, guys. No problem. Boom and boom. Now there it is. Boom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we did a conventional note, bank yeah. note. Private mortgage note, in, individual, a person uh, giving a loan, right, for someone. Uh, and then a purchase money mortgage note, a debt instrument, note and mortgage, note and deed of trust, uh, sometimes a recordable lawn, land contract, carried back by the seller of their property to facilitate the sale of their own property, a seller finance note. That's, that's the whole key. A seller of their own property, selling their own property, carrying back the note on the property they own. That is a seller finance note. And the differences between them are as follows. You can have, when, when a conventional or private note loan is given, mm -hmm. they have to follow all of these rules and more. There's a mm -hmm. loan application, references are asked for, they run your credit, there's income requirements, right? Debt to income ratios, lending guidelines, employment, LTV, regulations, the truth and lending, and all these different things. When, when a seller sells their property and carries back a note, none of that is applicable. None of that is applicable. Hmm. So if I buy a conventional or private note, guess what, what happens? I have to follow all those same rules and, and uh, requirements. Hmm. If I buy a seller finance note, there's no regulations. Right. We'll go one more. When you purchase a conventional or private note, you have to follow all the regulations that they do when they gave the loan, just as if you gave the loan yourself, including the collection regulations. Mm -hmm. um, when you buy a seller finance note, a purchase money mortgage, the regulations lenders follow do not apply as mm. defined and discussed uh, uh, in a class that I do. Um, I, I have a little home study course and, and this is on day one. We call it, it's called a holder in due course. There is a technical legal term for it. It's called a holder in due course. It's as if I sold the property myself and carry back the note myself. I become that person. 
Mm -hmm. So it's the same with a conventional or private note. If you buy a, a note from a bank or a mortgage company or, or a, a private individual that gave a loan, it's as if you gave the loan and you have to follow those regulations. When I buy a seller finance note, it's as if I sold the home and carry back the note myself. So I don't have to follow these regulations. Okay, so that that's the differences between what you guys normally do, which mm -hmm. is go after bank loans and tapes and mortgage company loans, and what uh, what I do, which is go after the individually held uh, first position performing seller finance notes. And then you're just looking for already created, like you're not even creating your own necessarily. Yes, existing. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to buy properties, carry back notes, you know, like that, like that. That's a lot yeah. more work, man. I want to sit home and go yeah. bass fishing and go snow skiing and go <laughs> hiking and, you know, uh, that's awesome stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For but, sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll stop this now. We can continue to, so does that kind of, uh, explain it? And then you asked a question and that's why I brought that up. Yeah. What was that? Did that answer the question or is, was there more to it? No, I think for most people, they have to understand the differences, right? That was a yeah. good explanation of what that looked like um, and good definitions. Um, I did, we did one question that came through for a Steve, from a Steve Johnson regarding, you know, mobile home parks and notes like that. Do you get involved with the mobile home parks and buying notes on them? Yeah, well, that, that those are seller finance usually. Um. However, most of the time we just go for mobile homes on land. So it's not in a park, they own the land and the mobile home. It becomes real property. It's the same as, as a, a note on a house. Mm -hmm. um, can you buy notes on mobile homes on leased land on a lot where they pay lot rent? Yes, you can, but it's a whole different ball game of, of requirements and due diligence because that is not real property. Just because someone's right. living in it doesn't make it real estate. Yeah. And when, when they're in it, you know, in, in my world, if a mobile home is older than 10 or 15 years old, it, it's old. It's like yeah. vintage. Right. And it's not worth much. It, it's a it's a wobbly box. It's a yeah. it's a pregnant roller skate on wheels. It's <laughs> it, it, it's just, uh, it, you know, just like cars depreciate. So yeah. do mobile homes. Right. So there, there's different things to look at. Can they be purchased? Yes. Uh, there's just different due diligence and things to go for like that. Have I purchased them? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. We did have another question regarding you know, your due diligence. When you're going your, through your due diligence, do you, who do you, who helps you with your due diligence on an <laughs> asset? Um, people are looking for companies and teams and you know and local Walmart to get their 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 due diligence. <laughs> Who's this special godlike, you know, secret person that you use for your due diligence to review assets? Time on the water, man. Time on the water. If you don't know all about it yourself and you're going to trust someone else to do that, that, that's a scary situation for me. I am not a risk person. I do not like risk. So when I buy notes, yes, there's still risk, right? There's always risk, but I, I try to minimize it. And keep myself in a position where, you know, even if it goes bad, I'll, it'll still be good. Mm -hmm. You know, if you follow me there. Um, and I, now I forgot the question again. <laughs> no, just due diligence, right? You know, you oh, due diligence. So, so is there a place you can go? I believe there's a few people out there that will process your notes for you and things like that. 
Uh, however, in the beginning, you should absolutely try to do it all yourself. Make that phone call to the title company, order a, a, a title insurance policy, mm -hmm. right? Make, make that connection to the appraisal company and order that appraisal yourself. See how the process works. Learn how to read an appraisal. Learn how to, how to read a title insurance policy. Learn how to read the documents. Yeah. We just read a, a security instrument yesterday that had some language in it that I couldn't believe that was put in and I caught it. And so now there's a different price because there was like, this person doesn't have to, uh, this person gets a 15% discount if they pay off before 2025. And I'm like, well, that's a whole different ball game now. Yeah, right? yeah it's a different note. I don't have to lower my price and adjust for everything. But you, you've got to learn yourself. If you start out and you just trust people to do things for you, you are eventually going to get burned because it's not their job to keep you safe. It's their job to do the due diligence and then give it to you. So right. let's, and it's a different perspective. Like, yes, sometimes I'll buy a note and I have this kind of exit strategy in mind. Right. And then what if it changes? And what if I, I don't decide I, I don't want to do that for this particular note, I want to do something different. And mm -hmm. I mean, if you're trusting somebody else to do it for you, they may not know your end game right. or they won't be able to guess your end game. And so that, and that makes a difference on your due diligence. Makes, makes so, a big also make sure clear what title policy really means, right? It's an insurance policy saying that the, the title's clean when the loan is originated. And why is that important for origination as well as buying? Is that we can all, then we order our O&E, which says from the time it was purchased to now, what has happened? Right. So if the title policy is there and something comes up, you actually have an insurance policy to deal with the issue and sometimes pay you off if the circumstances are right. So it's a huge tool that if you don't see a title policy, you should be a little worried and you need to make sure that there's a clear title besides just your liens. Absolutely, yeah, the chain of title to the property. And in 31 years, you know, knock on wood, I've never had a claim with a title insurance policy, but it's just like, it's like car insurance or house insurance. Yep. You pay it every year, this, you, pay <laughs> one, you pay one time and mm -hmm. you know, just like house insurance or, or car insurance, you might not ever use it, yes. right? Right. So um, you've got to think about that. And I see so a lot of now. Someone might bring up the fact that well, aren't seller finance notes messier? Well, a little bit, yeah, they are because they don't they don't have to get an application. They don't have to get you know truth and lending and write out everything and sign this and fiduciary responsibilities and stuff. The guy sits at the table and says. You, so you want to buy my house for 100, 120,000? Great. Give me 20,000 down. I'll hold the note for this long. How does that sound? Great. Sign the document. Done. And yeah. some, I've gotten a note written on a, on a piece of a yellow legal pad, right? <laughs> and that had to be corrected, you know? So there's in seller finance notes, uh, we do a lot of work, not a lot. We do some work on cleaning up the file, making it presentable to investors, whether institutional or private. And, and for myself, making sure I have everything I need in case after I buy it, I need to take action and, and get things corrected. So, so yeah. you'll, you'll buy it and then do some fix up and then may or may not sell it. I'll make future. sure it's fixed up before, as I'm buying it during the due okay. process. Yeah. Uh, there's one right now, we're doing a land contract in Georgia and um, uh, they recorded a warranty deed and they have a note, but there's no security instrument. There's no deed of trust. Oh, okay. And so we're like, well, that's gotta be fixed. Right. Yeah. And if you want us to do it, our price is going to go down a little bit. If you do it before that, we'll keep our price the same. 
Got it. So okay. the guy's like, rah, rah, rah. and he used an attorney. Guys, <laughs> attorneys, you know, no offense to anyone that's an attorney, but they don't know everything. And they especially don't know about, about seller finance notes if they haven't, if that's not like their core business. Yes. If they're not a real estate attorney, they probably haven't done these transactions and, and they just, I don't know, look it up on Google and do their best. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. So before we get into some deals, right? Everyone num- wants numbers. Exciting. Can you share a little bit about how you come across these assets? The secret ideas, okay. new cool technology that you use to find okay. great new deals. <laughs> uh, we're, we would just love it if there was some new cool technology to find us seller finance notes. But I'll tell you what, guys, 31 years. I mean, both of you have seen my marketing presentations and, and you know, thinking of it as a business. Uh, I think my last figures that I quoted at the paper source convention was, you know, over all 31 years, over 709,000 people have responded to me yeah. and I've closed, you know, 2,300 transactions, you know, <laughs> a very, very small percentage of them. Um, but that's a lot. That's yes. a lot. And when you, when you uh, talk about, you know, what cool technology is there to find notes, Guys, these notes aren't aren't online usually, you know. And if they are, they've they've usually been through us. Us meaning the people that regularly buy seller finance notes, the institutions, some of us larger privates. And uh, I've seen notes that we've canceled up on those uh, up online. Hmm. And uh, you know, if if that's your mode of finding, you know, deals, great. Trust, but verify. We talked about trust earlier with the due diligence stuff. Trust, but verify. Look at that stuff. Read it yourself. Get what you need to get. If they don't give you enough time, bail, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know what you're doing. You need to know your, your investor mindset and you need to know um, what you're doing. When we're trying to find seller finance notes, um, yes, there are some online marketing strategies that we use. Uh, Social at um, social media uh, every now and then uh, Google AdWords things like that uh, search engine optimization all these different kinds of things but um, the core of of finding an individually held seller finance note is marketing right uh, I talk mm-hmm. about marketing all the time marketing is is something you have to do for every business and uh, for me I'll, I'll quickly go through it. it it's it's you've got to have three to five things working for you at any one point in time. And of those five things, um, half of my business comes from direct mail. I purchase uh, names of names and addresses of note holders, uh, and I, I direct mail to them. Uh, that's half of my business every year. Half my deals closed, even and last year it was like sixty-two percent. But uh, of my deals that I closed were from my direct mail campaign. Hmm. Uh, and it's not a one-time throw out a thousand letters and get a deal. It's hmm. a consistent program over time. A thousand a month, two thousand a month, whatever you can afford. It's expensive, but it does get me deals. Uh, second is uh, classified ads in small, outlying rural areas. Uh, third is building a referral network. It takes more time. You got to be in business for a few years for people to start getting to know what you do, and that you can do what you say you can do, and then those referrals can start coming in. Um, uh, online marketing we already talked about, uh, and then direct contact, talking to people all the time about what you do because it. It is such a niche within a niche within a niche, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you're a real estate investor. Well, kind of. <laughs> oh, you buy properties. Well, no. Uh, oh, you give loans. Well, not exactly. 
And, you know, so we're in a niche within a niche within a niche. And in the note industry itself, there's a bunch of little niches. I do this one little thing. You guys do that thing. And other people do this thing. And and you've got to focus on one and build up your marketing. I offered the marketing plan to people at the paper source convention. Dozens of people requested it. I sent it to them. I haven't seen one back yet. I even say, I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll, I'll go through it. I'll help you. I'll make, make sure everything's good and get your on your, you know, get your bus foot Challenge forward, accepted right? and, and you're just like, oh. people don't want to do the work. They want the easy way out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If it was that easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah. Right. Because that question always comes up. Why isn't everyone doing it? If it's so great. Well, because there's work involved. Right. Yeah. So fantastic. It's, it's how many not pieces of, quick and never has been and never will be. It's just, never has been, never will be. How many pieces of mail do you think that the 2300 you close on average those people received? How many marketing you know letters? Uh, there's competition. Yeah. You know, and it, it probably came directly from me telling people that, to do it, right? Uh, but it's okay because there's plenty of notes. How many do you However, think I'm you, gonna say at least a dozen, if not a couple dozen. How many pieces okay. of letter did you send to that person that closed? How many did you send three? Oh, uh, yeah. I send they get four things from me in 19 months. Okay. So they'll get a they'll get a letter um, you know, right away. Uh, six months later, they get a, a follow-up postcard, 12 months later, another follow-up postcard, and 18 months later, a follow-up postcard. It's a program, mm-hmm. right? I'll, I'll get I'll get that first contact in. They'll call me or, or email me or fill out the worksheet online from the letter. And then not everybody needs to sell right now. A lot of them are just curious, right? Sure. I'm, I'm usually the first person to tell them, no, you're not going to get the balance of the note. There's a discount involved. And let's see, let's see how bad yours is going to be, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> or how good it's going to be. Sometimes right. they're good, but smaller discounts. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, action and, and marketing and in a program. Uh, a consistent program. That's what. That's why the direct mail works. Is it's a consistent program, not a one-time thing. Yeah. So I got a question on the um, on the notes that you're seeing, uh, where people are responding and you're you're reviewing all the documentation and stuff. What's kind of an average interest rate that these loans are being written at? I know <laughs> it varies wildly, but so so you know, people carrying back notes on their properties. Most the ones that do it. Most of them, it's one one in their lifetime they carry yeah. back, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. a business for them. It's I had to sell my property, I carried back a note, so yeah. they don't know what they're doing. And if they don't contact us beforehand, we see stuff, you know, uh, zero down, zero percent for fifty years, oh, and you're gosh. just like, oh my god, do you have any more properties? I have to <laughs> right? And so we see everything from those to you know, 2%, 3%, 4%. And you're just like, what are you, a bank? Yeah. But now with interest rates going up in three to six months, we'll see some higher interest rates, I'm sure. However, going with that, our yields are going up too because we got to keep the same the same profit going, right? Yeah. Um, so prices are still going to be um, the same, if not lower in the coming future. But uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's a big thing. All over the place. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. 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 You know, would you buy a note, a, a, a note with a 0% interest rate for 50 years is going to get a huge discount performing yes. or not. Right. right? So it's, it's one of the fun things about the business that really keeps me doing it year after year is that every person that contacts me, it's a whole different puzzle. Yeah. How am I going to fit the pieces in? Right. How's this going to work? 
right? Yeah. With with uh, with 29 different ways to buy a note, which one's going to work for this guy? Yeah. Yeah, it keeps it fun, keeps it interesting, keeps yeah. it fresh. Yeah. So let's get into some fun stuff here. You don't have to share screens. Give us an example of what note you've seen, what numbers have come across in the last, say, year or two. What, give us a kind of a general situation you've run across and some numbers of a property. Okay, yeah. so let me share my screen. Okay. And you're, this, and I'll, you're, I'll hopefully get the right one this time. Jeff, you're in California and you, you buy all over the place, right? I, I'm in Arizona now. I was in oh, California, been oh, okay. Lake Havasu City, Arizona now for uh, seven plus years. Oh, gosh. And, okay. uh, yeah, it's 97 degrees already. It'll be 107 today and he's <laughs> already running. So you guys up there don't know what that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing we're hitting 90 today. Time. We're hitting 90 in Jersey. Woo! Oh my gosh, 90. That's a cool day here. Yeah. <laughs> we pray for 90 degree days. No. <laughs> but you're buying all bad. over the place, right? Like it. Yeah, but we're buying nationwide. Yes. Yeah. Nationwide. Uh, we even did a deal once uh, Puerto Rico and Guam. Um, all, all the states, uh, I think maybe there's one or two states I haven't done a transaction in, in yeah. all these years. Yeah. You know, like Maine is one, I think. Means tough. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. This is nationwide. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, what did I finish the question? Or no, yeah, I, you're you good. Were, we were looking I for your. We're going to share a screen. I was going to share a screen and show you some numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to go over that investor mindset too. So let's let's sure. Boom. This is a recent transaction. I'm going to share that one. There, you guys see Kingston, Georgia. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So here's a, a, a recent one that, that we took down, meaning purchased uh, for my self-directed Roth IRA. You know, we're all doing this the right way. That's, that's one of the best ways to do it is, is build up a self-directed Roth IRA and yeah. uh, put them in there. So long story short, the, uh, a person in Kingston, Georgia, little small rural town in Georgia. So the regular house, owner-occupied, OO, single-family home, owner-occupied, single-family home get that out of the way that's distracting there we go and uh 120,000 sales price you got 20,000 cash down payment hundred thousand dollar seller carry back note uh 30 years at eight and a half percent interest this guy knew something yeah, right this guy's good. a little more savvy than a regular individual seller finance note holder yeah um he knew to get the interest rate a little bit higher he knew to get a a, a decent down payment um so that's great so we plug yeah. it in the calculator we run the numbers the payment amounts 76891 there first step second step verify the balance when they call you they've received a few payments so we got to know what the balance that we're purchasing is so we run it through the calculator here's the little steps the balance is 99630 then the next thing i do is i'll calculate the loan to value right balance of the note divided by the sales price of the property in this case came out to be 83% loan to value mm -hmm. yeah but but jeff uh, if the property was sold, you know, a, a year ago, the, the property is probably worth more. So the loan to value is going to be lower. Yes. But initially on the initial per, per, price, we don't know what it's going to come in at. We don't know what it's going to appraise at, even with going online and stuff, because I don't really trust the values Zillow and all those other ones give. I, I trust the numbers, right? Yeah. So the numbers, I know that it sold for 120. It's going to be at least worth that. So my loan to value is at least 
you know, at, at the most, let's say right now, 83%. Okay. So if the appraisal comes in for higher later on when we're doing a transaction, then great, my loan to value is lower and I'm, and I'm actually safer. Okay, or let's not use the word safer, more secure, right? There you go. Um, and then I go with my full purchase on this one. We had a good down payment on this one. I wanted a 12% yield on this. Not the greatest. I usually like higher, um, but it's, it's a bit competitive out there right now. I came in at a 12%. Uh, for a purchase price of uh, 74620 to the note holder. This is direct. I'm, I'm doing this direct. I didn't broker this mm -hmm. and everything. So that was the price of the note holder. And yeah, okay, it's a $25,000 discount. But I have to wait 30 years mm -hmm. to get my money. Yeah. Right? And I, I want to make some money. Yeah. So the issue with this one was, of course, this person had contacted some other uh, companies, right? Competition to see what they could buy. There was some poor credit on this one. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the reason for the higher, um, uh, for, for the yield and for the, for the discount. Okay. Um, I don't know what that is cents on the dollar, uh, but it looks like about 75%, you know, or somewhere around there. So pause right there. I, I stress this traumatically because people don't realize this. People bid percentage of UPB or BPO. This is a case example Jeff doesn't even know what the percentage of UPB is or BPO is because he's based on a return, not based on a percentage number, right? He's guessing because it doesn't matter if this is 80% or 20%, his number is based on a return he's looking for based on the situation. Sorry, Jeff, go ahead. Correct, based on the situation because we use all, all four or five different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yield, investment to value, um, cents on the dollar, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's, there's other ones that are, are blanking now, but those are the, the three major ones that we use. Yep. Uh, uh, oh, cents on the dollar. I, I didn't say that. Um, to calculate our, our prices, in this case, the final number did come from yield, a yield-based calculation. Right. And of course, when we, this is an initial price subject to verification of the information that they gave us and acceptance of the payer's credit, appraisal and title. We already saw the credit right? And, and did a soft pull and, and we saw the credit. So we already knew that. So now this price is still subject to appraisal coming in for at least the sales price. And like we talked about a really clean and clear chain of title. Okay. Um, and with that said, and then we do one last calculation to check our safety and security uh, is investment to value. Investment to value is the purchase price you're paying compared to the value of the collateral ITV, this is a term you've got to learn and, and a number you have to calculate. This is your security. We're at 62% investment to value, meaning there's 38% uh, uh, security above me, equity above me, that if something goes wrong, worst case scenario happens and I have to foreclose, take back the property, fix it up, resell it and carry back another note or sell it for cash. I'm going to have enough room to do all those things and still at a minimum get my $74,000 back. And with the market is today, the, this is a big deal because if the market drops at all, you have to be in a spot to absorb that impact of property values. Correct. Increasing. Correct. Correct. So, so I like to keep myself for my own personal uh, portfolio and my personal preferences under 70% investment to value. And usually mm -hmm. under 60% uh, yeah. investment to value. Uh, I, am, I am not risk averse. I, I'm, I manage my risk. 
And uh, again, in 31 years, I've had two foreclosures and and I actually made a ton of money on both of those. those mm -hmm. foreclosures. Before you so, go on, we had one question about how much, oh, if someone begins, how much should they budget for marketing? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> you know, look, guys, when I started out, um, there was no internet, right? And I was working night crew at a grocery store and work nights and, and take care of the properties in the daytime and try to start this business in the daytime. And my budget was was really small, a couple hundred yeah. bucks a month, you know? As deals started closing, I could put more towards it. I would prefer when, when people work with me and, and I, I mentor them or I coach them on their way to, to start their business, um, I... I like them to have a minimum of $1,000 a month for 12 months. Hmm. Commit to 12 months, commit to at least $1,000 a month, and, and you'll see some uh, uh, progress. You'll see some deals starting to come. Does that help? Yeah, I think it does. Think yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It makes sense. You can't be bootstrapping this business on because you're never going to get any traction. Again, right, it's right. it's not a get rich quick, and it's not a not. you're gonna make a million dollars in a month. It, not, not. It's just not. Good. It's just not. <laughs> so, so there you go. Yes, good question. Good. Um, good. So I, I do the the ITV, and then we have on the bottom there we have the information that we verified on the calculator and, and the numbers we calculated, and this guy went for it. Uh, appraisal came in for like one twenty two, so we were okay on that one. Uh, title was easy. They had a title insurance policy. So we just had okay. to do an, an update or a date down, it's called, from the time they got the policy till now. And uh, and that was one we recently uh, purchased. Uh, and those payments are just going in the Roth IRA every single month. That's a good looking note. I like that one. Yeah. Yep. Now, are they all like that? And that simple to do and easy? No, I picked out a, a smooth one for you. But, you yeah. know, there's always hurdles and surprises. Just like with you guys, I'm sure you guys have a few more hurdles and surprises with some of the non-performing and stuff. Um, but uh, people seem to think that I, I don't purchase non-performing. I, I do, just not at the prices you guys do. Yeah. So. It's definitely changed over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have another and question regarding- again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> regarding from April, regarding when someone says no to your price, right? What do you say then? How do you overcome some well, of those objections? So, okay, so part of the business is marketing and getting those calls to come in, right? Yeah. All right. So I can get the calls to come in for people starting a new business or starting out and stuff. But what happens when you pick up that phone and start negotiating and talking and communicating with these people? That's where the deal is made, right? So on that very first phone call, I have an idea uh, by the time we're done with it, I, I'll have an idea of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. If they're looking for par, you know, 100% of the balance or a 5% discount or a 10% discount, guys, you know, don't waste my time. It, yep. This is not how this works. If you can get 90 cents on the dollar, you should have this, that, and the other thing. You don't, so your, your discount's gonna be a lot less. Mm -hmm. So when I do call with the prices, they are already thinking in their head, oh my gosh, this guy might not even buy this note, right? Because as I'm going through getting their information and filling out the worksheet, mm -hmm. most of the time verbally, I would say maybe 
a third of them go through the website first and put their information on my form and send it to me, guess what? I'll call them up right away when I get it and start verifying the information. That that person-to-person -person contact, that relationship building is, is what this business is all about. It's not all about numbers sometimes. Right. I bought lots of notes at lesser prices than competitors because they I built a relationship and they liked, liked me better, whatever that means, you know? Um, <laughs> So, and, and that's worth something like that's not, that's not nothing that that's definitely worth something. Right. Like, and that didn't happen something. over in the first year that, that took years to learn how to negotiate and, and talk to people. So on that first phone call, we're getting to when they say no on that first phone call, Ooh, a 3% interest rate. Ah, what are you a bank? Dude, I, why would you do that? You should get got like an eight or nine or 10. He's like, well, that's what the banks are giving. Well, aren't the writers aren't going to like that. Yeah. Right. And, uh, uh, oh, you got, you got a thousand down on a $200,000 property. Underwriters aren't going to like that. Oh, it goes for 50 years. Underwriters aren't going to like that. So by the <laughs> end of the phone call, they're like, oh my God, my note's really crappy. I hope I can get something for it. Yeah. So when I call them back and give them a price, the, the discount's not going to be a shock to them, mm -hmm. right? They're going to, oh, there, there's a discount involved. I get it. And, and they'll, they'll be more open to hearing the options. Right. It's not all about the full purchase. Then we got the options. Mm -hmm. So when they say no, I go back and I said, well, on the first phone call, wait a minute. Didn't you say, you know, you'd like to pay off some debt or, you know, buy your, your daughter a car or pay for your son's college or so let's see how we can work this out. You know, here's three options. Here's a full purchase price. Here's here's a way to get just what you need to pay that college tuition this year. Here's yeah. a way to get a couple of years of that. And I give them some different options. Um, now I, I don't get everybody to say yes, obviously. Right. I, I don't. What, what, what's the, I think my stats are like 2.3% over 31 years have accepted and closed. Yeah. I probably get 10% to say yes. It's the other, you know, some of the, a lot of them don't work out. Um, and, uh, uh so when they say no, I, I'm just, I, I just go with those other ones. I try to figure out what's going to work for them. Um, and, you know, then they, sometimes they still say no, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of times they still say no. However, then you just follow up with them, call them next month, call them three months, six months. And, and I keep saying call. Yes, people, we got to talk to these, these people. It's not all about, oh, I could just send them a price in an email. And if they say yes, great. If they don't, great. You're just throwing stuff against the a fan, a, a wallers to see if it'll stick, right? That's not the business, Right. You can send out numbers all day long. We're not quote machines, right? Yeah, right? We want to get a deal. If I'm sending you a price as a broker, you you negotiate the heck out of it, right? That's your job. And yeah. that's that's skills to be learned also is is the, yeah. the negotiating side. And um, deals are made but, on the phone. Yep, Emails yep. are for confirming details and things like that, but deals are made on the phone. Lots of phone time. And Lots you get information time. about that you wouldn't get on a form, right? Why they sell the loan, yes. what the numbers you know, hey, situation, hear the tone of voice. You can get a grasp of what's really going on and more than just the asset itself. Uh, absolutely. And you can hear their tone. And, and I'll tell you this, and, and whether it's a bank that you're buying it from or, or a, a mortgage company tape or an individual note holder, there's stuff they're not telling you, mm -hmm. right? And our job in due diligence is to peel that onion and find out what they're not telling us because there's always, always, always something they're not telling us. Yeah. Right. Oh, you How showed many... this to other buyers. Why didn't they buy it? 
Yeah. Well, I don't want to tell you. Well, yeah. I'm going to find the same stuff. So you might as well tell me right now. Yeah. Right. And not waste let either me, of our time. So how many assets do you see are actually serviced by a licensed servicer? Uh, half, maybe half. Yeah. Like some oh, states, more require, than that's pretty good. Some yeah. states require it. Like Arizona requires that if you carry back a note, it has to be serviced by a, a, a licensed servicing company. Yeah. Um, and, and other states have, have similar rules, but you know, note, note holders, again, you know, this is, they carry back one note in their lifetime, right? It's not their business and they just get the payments every month. And, and these days they, they get cash app or a Venmo or a, or a PayPal or something. And, and, and that's where we get the payment histories from. But I would say about half already have a, a servicing company in place. Right. That's pretty good actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. Right. You know, most of these are backwoods kind of deals that just happen and whatever. How do you deal with, are you licensed in all states to buy debt, right? There are certain states out there that require a debt buyer to be licensed. Um, do you do uh, that or without no, going is, too far? This is seller finance notes. Uh, the only state that I know of that has regulations on uh, brokering notes. If you're buying them for yourself and you keep it full term, you're not a broker, you're a buyer and a holder. And that's one thing. But if you are uh, going to broker them, the only state that I know of that has regulations is California. California requires that you have a real estate broker's license to broker notes. Yeah. And uh, that's hard for some people to swallow because there's a lot of notes in California. Gotcha. Um, I have my license there because I live there and that's where I started. So I just got it. You know, don't need anybody slapping my wrist or checking up on me. Um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, as far as I know, you know, I'm not a licensing expert, but as far as I know, you can broker notes everywhere except California if you don't have a, a California real estate broker's license. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And classic California. Yeah. Well, let's not get into that. This is a, <laughs> this is a business call. <laughs> so I'd like to know, give us your worst story you've ran into where it just was just bad or your worst mistake, you know, even. You know, I try to forget about bad things that happen. <laughs> uh, even like an argument with the wife, you know, last week, I'll forget about it because yeah. it just drains your energy and stuff. But um, the worst and successful others. one? Yeah, and just affected lessons okay. for others who are watching and saying- Successful meaning I purchased it. The worst one, there's this- <laughs> uh, I, I, guys, I, I'm, I'm really struggling. I have other people's stories of their worst deals, <laughs> but you know, like uh, uh, buying uh, what you thought was an owner-occupied single-family home, uh, a note on an owner-occupied single-family home in Oklahoma, and it turns out that it was built out of hay. It was a oh, hay, no a hay home. <laughs> There's a, a process. I looked it up. There's a way to do it, but it Whoa. had burned down, and they didn't have insurance. Oh, um, yeah. But again, that's that's not my story. That's uh, an associate story. That's but um, yeah, my worst. I, I've had there there are transactions where you're like you're like nail biting, wondering if it's going to get the closing or not because of title issues yeah. or because the uh, note payor is is not friendly with the seller of the property. Right? They, there's a little battle going on. They don't have a good relationship. They hate each other, yeah. and it, it gets it gets sticky. You know, it gets stressful on our part because 
we're like the mediators trying to make everyone happy mm -hmm. and uh and things like that gosh uh i really wasn't prepared for that question i i don't have even like my two foreclosures <laughs> I, I had a windfall on them so yeah you know those aren't even bad stories have the, you lost money happen. i think have the you lost money happen. on a deal oh go ahead have you lost money on a deal no never why because i purchased it properly yeah right if you purchase it if if someone says hey this is this is how much i'm selling my note for and and you buy it for that price without doing your due diligence your own due diligence you know it, you're, it's a crapshoot you're you're taking a risk you're being you're being a speculative investor at that point right right oh is it is this a good time to do that before we're let's almost do that. done yeah we've got not a lot of time yet left yeah, but yeah, yeah let, let me let me i'm going to share this real quick because um i really want uh your listeners to know the difference i'm pretty sure it's this one value-based investing versus speculation okay i i learned this from this big thick book this is graham dodd's uh graham and dodd security analysis mcgraw hill this book is huge Look at that. <laughs> half, half my face and it was written a, a long time ago and it's it's a lot about stocks and different things like that but it, it, it really stresses the difference between a value-based investor and a, and a speculator a value-based investor i'll just read this off because i think that'll go quicker a typical note investor seeks an investment that provides current income preservation of capital and growth potential with minimal risk the typical note investor seeks a relatively safe secure trouble-free cash flowing investment this is me what what do value-based investors want epi this is a, a, a phrase i've coined epi stands for extreme passive income extreme mm. passive income because the check comes into your your box every month or you get your ach payment deposited every month and there's no one calling you up about toilets termites taxes or tenants right mm -hmm. extreme mm -hmm. passive income um Value-based investors want to take advantage of the power of compounding, right? Uh, what is that? When when you got when you've gotten a loan in the past and you've signed your truth and lending document, and you it shows you you're getting a hundred thousand dollars loan, but you're going to pay the bank two hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars. <laughs> that's the power of compounding. That's what we're taking advantage of here. Uh, we want preservation of capital. We don't want to lose money. We mm -hmm. want minimal risk. There's still risk. We just mitigate it. Uh, we want a relatively safe, secure investment for the long term. Would a value-based investor buy non-performing notes? Absolutely, mm -hmm. but not for the prices that speculators would pay for them. Sure. Let's talk about speculation. A speculative investor is as follows. A speculative investor knowingly assumes the risk of incurring a large loss if he or she believes the possibility of a large gain exists. Okay. The speculative investor understands the risks, expenses, and the time involved in the investment, he thrives on the concept of the greater the risk, the greater the returns. Speculative investors want a home run every time. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll take large risk for the possibility of large profit. We'll use their last dime with a promise of huge gains. We'll pay little or no attention to the downside risk. We'll abandon strict standards of valuation and risk aversion. Mm -hmm. These are the differences. These are the two types of investors out there and I can go on and on about this for, for an hour or two as well. But I really want people to start thinking. I think that's one thing I got out of the conference uh, at Paper Source last month when we, we met um, and we talked is that 
uh, people want that quick buck. They, they want to make a decision. They don't want to do the work. And they, they get away from uh, um, what a real investor should be doing, which is knowing what they're investing in. You know, uh, crypto, for example. Oh my God, the people that were raving about crypto last year, woo, I, I, I can't even count how many people. Where are they at now, mm. right? Cash me outside, right? How about that? Yeah. It's down like 90%. And yep. that, but that's always been, crypto's always been in, 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 into the foreseeable future here, a very speculative investment. Sure. So mm -hmm. I, I think at the, at the conference where I was going with that is that a lot of people do not know their investor ID. They do not know what, where they're at. And it takes a while for you to figure it out. So while you're figuring it out, why don't you broker some notes, flip some to investors that know what they're doing and see how the process works and see if you like how that investor does it or you like how that investor does it. And then you'll narrow it down to what, what you're, I'm looking at your picture that should be looking up here, what you guys are, are looking at uh, as far as what your investor ID is. Fantastic. So I, I wanted to get that out there for the, for the public in general. You got to know what kind yeah. of investor you're in before you start investing in anything. Absolutely. So we you, you we kind of hinted at it before, but you you talked about uh, looking out to the horizon here uh, with the non-performing and the and just market conditions and and all of those kinds of things. What's your take? What do you see coming? Well, we've way? never seen nothing like this in history, right? All of these different things that are happening at once uh, yeah. with uh, the war in Ukraine and and. In, in Ukraine and and uh, the gas prices and the oil stuff and mm -hmm. and the inflation hitting 8.6 and then interest rates just bumped for a 30 year fix 6.1 now two months ago was like in the fours yeah it's just unprecedented how fast interest rates are going up right. now I'll tell you this though been doing this for 31 years I know when interest rates hit six percent for me my opinion my statistics when interest rates hit six percent much, much fewer people are going to be able to qualify for conventional bank financing. And there's going to be a lot more seller financing coming up here. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. jumping up and down. I've been waiting since the early 2000s. For, for <laughs> yeah. Right. Go up. I, as note investors, yes. as performing individually held single value, I want interest rates to go up because yeah. then they'll get closer to my yield and I can right. give a little bit better prices sometimes. Yes. You know? item. Um, so, uh, I think that we're going to see more seller finance notes on the horizon. Um, I don't know how all this is going to play out, you know, with the economy and everything like that. Uh, mm -hmm. We just dipped into a bear market. A recession is looming. Um, and, and we're just going to continue to move forward. I'm going to continue to do the marketing. Uh, but I do expect that I'll be very busy in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Very awesome. We'll see. Jeff, we'll I know see. April said that it gave your TWITA comment on the, in the thread. So. Twitter. Oh, oh, Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is my little slogan I came up with. Uh, I, I thought way back when I watched Austin Powers, I was just like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Right. Everyone says it now. That's what I'm talking about. And that's just a mouthful. Right. Five. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'd rather just say Twitter. T-W-I-T-A. Twitter. And, uh, and get it out. It, I use it when anything is exciting happening, when something's yeah. positive, when I catch a fish, I'll shout it out. 
when I, you know, when I hit a good golf shot, boom, Twitter, you know? Yeah. So uh, that's, that's my little thing, kind of like, I guess, branding you know, or whatever. That's my thing. I'm Jeff Twitter Armstrong. <laughs> uh, find me on Facebook at at Twitter Jeff uh, on Facebook. Nice. So, so Jeff, we're going to disconnect well, for everyone. I, yeah. I appreciate you coming on for the hour, giving us great yeah, answers. Really good. It was awesome. Just that experience and knowledge is overwhelmingly awesome. And guys, feel free to reach out to Jeff. He puts out a newsletter that you can grasp so much great information from. Um, just stay in tune with them. Take a look up on LinkedIn, Twitter, everything else out there. And just tune in with them and learn from them. He's a great guy to learn from, and he's open book. So, well, Thank you, Dave. Yeah, um, it's, you know, my website, armstrongcapital.com. I, I send out uh, every Wednesday. I'm pretty sure you guys get it. Yep. I hope you get it. Yep. Uh, a a little tips and training by Jeff, just little yep. tidbits, an article every month, things like that, just to keep that motivation going. Yeah. You know, please feel free to sign up for that, that newsletter on my website. And yeah, questions, email me. I'll get back to you. Yeah. yeah email is always best. I'm really busy on the phone. So <laughs> <laughs> most of those go to voicemail and I, I return phone calls, but uh, yeah. email me is best. You'll find it on the website. Thank awesome. you guys for having hey. me. Thanks, Jeff. Everyone have a good weekend. We will be catching up with everyone soon. But uh, if you have any questions, feel free to take a look at the YouTube channel, Facebook group, and all that good stuff. And uh, take a look at the note training that will be coming out shortly. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, guys. <laughs>